Hi. Hello. You know what I realized? Hmm. Every time we start an episode and I say I hear myself say hi, I'm always just like, there there's gotta be a better way of doing this. I know. We need like a sign-on of some kind. Right? Because like so to give you a picture, if you're listening, like we press record mm-hmm. and then we kind of like look at each other and we're like, hi. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. It's very weird. Yeah. So I feel like we need some kind of like, something like we need some kind of like intro. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway, we'll work that on our own time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hello. Hello. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we just got back from vacation. Yes. So we are feeling really good. We flew in yesterday morning. Mm-hmm. I've never had that before where I got home at like before 10, was it? Or before 11? We got home at like 10, 15. Yeah. That was crazy. I've never done that either. It was like, oh, now I just have the whole day, but I was also but, traveling. Yeah. But you you have the day, but not really. It's the most like surreal thing Mm -hmm. like you can get things done theoretically if you have the wherewithal to do so but I just didn't yeah well I mean you wake up so early and then you're like on a plane and yeah and then like we took a nap and then um Jamie and I and then when when we woke up I was like we were in New Orleans this morning I know so weird yeah that always trips me out when you travel it's like I was just in a completely different city or sometimes country yeah. like earlier today. Totally. And you know, it gets me on the on the front end though. Mm-hmm. I have it less when I get home because I'm like, oh, I'm home. But sometimes I get like, and I think it's just like a travel fatigue thing. Some may call it jet lag. I don't know. But I get this thing usually within the ter- first 24 hours of being in a new place. And I think it's combined with fatigue where it dawns on me that I'm in that place and then I think about the geographic distance and the Mm. short amount of time that it took and I get momentarily tripped out Mm -hmm. and I feel kind of like surreal upside downy and then I feel better like usually a cocktail helps yeah usually but you know what I mean (laughs) that kind of like space and time continuum thing where you're like how the fuck am I here yeah no totally I yeah I get that and I think it it's less so when you're on a long flight, but I just, I feel, because we went to New Orleans, mm-hmm. and I just feel like it's such a world apart, but it only takes, like, three hours to get there, yeah. so it, that is that trips me out. Same thing when we went to Mexico City. I was like, this place is so different in, like, yes. so many ways, yet it's so close by plane. That yeah. It just and it's, feels... It's less- Disorient. I think you're right. I think it's like less disorienting if you're like in somewhere along the West Coast, for example. Like mm-hmm. if you're in Seattle or um, oh, San Francisco is like nothing. Right. You know, it's just like oh, here we are. Yeah, LA is. <laughs> well, you don't really fly. You drive or take the train. Or take the train. <laughs> which we have learned, by the way, if you are a Southern California listener, we we took the train about a month or so ago. I think we talked about it before. Did we really? I might be wrong. I think we mentioned that we went to the Magic Castle, but I don't Um, know. Well, I just remember that we were so excited about the train that we were telling everybody who would listen, so I thought that also might have included the podcast. (laughs) I'm still apparently telling everyone who will listen. I'm just like, and by the way, listeners. Well, I think if you've ever experienced the hellish drive that is between San Diego and LA, even at any time of the day, it doesn't matter. Midnight, 5 p.m. It is just awful horrible gridlocked drive and it's just the worst so when you find an alternative because by all rights like LA should take like what an hour and a half to get to and sometimes it takes upwards of like five yeah I've I've made it to LA uh in two and a half hours I think was like my my best lucky day Mm -hmm. super lucky And I have, my longest was seven hours. Yeah. And that was a Friday evening, but we had just moved and I was an idiot. Yeah, you just don't know. I didn't really know. Yeah. 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 So anyway, all that to say, like when you find an alternative, it is very exciting. And we didn't do um, the coaster and we didn't do the Amtrak. We did the... Metrolink. Metrolink. Mm -hmm. So just to plug for the Metrolink, it was really um, affordable. Mm -hmm. We went from Oceanside to LA. For $10. Yeah, on the it was like a weekend rate. It was yeah, pretty rad. It's only on the weekends, um, but I mean, it was spacious, and we got like a four top table. Yeah, it was and climate it controlled. Was climate controlled, looked very clean. Yeah. Um. So yeah. that's been your plug, Metro. <laughs> yeah. I would say you could sponsor us, but I know that city marketing budgets are and county marketing <laughs> budgets are usually pretty slim. So, 
And I don't know that they would really appreciate being associated with us. Probably not. Probably not. (laughs) Um, Especially for this episode, because we may wind up talking just a tiny bit of trash Mm. about San Diego. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Maybe a little. But only because we we, we decided on our last night in New Orleans that today's topic would be something we've kind of talked about and tried to conceptualize. And we haven't fully worked it out, so maybe we'll do that on the podcast today. But um, yeah. We're, we're calling it loosely expat shame mm-hmm. or the shame that is kind of associated with feeling invested in a place and then leaving that place for reasons that are fill in the blank, right. personal, whatever. Well, usually they're always personal. Yeah, usually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Professional maybe. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um. So yeah, expat shame. Yeah. I mean... I don't know how many of our listeners have experienced like moving to a new place, but I mean, I feel like we know a lot of people who aren't from here because San Diego just seems to be one of those cities it's where transient. few people yeah. are like born and raised here. Absolutely. And if even if they were sort of born and raised here, it's kind of like different neighborhoods or zones or mm-hmm. like suburbs of San Diego. It's not never like city center San right. Diego. I mean, very rarely. Uh, yeah, it's rare that I meet someone who's like, born in San Diego proper. Like, oh yeah, I was born and raised in like South Park, Golden Hill, University Heights. Right. Like they're usually like, oh, I was, my parents live in um, Poway and, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like the larger, greater San Diego area. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So for those of you who aren't San Diegans who are listening, essentially what we're equating this to is being, living in a city now full of people who are pretty transient. And because Southern California is so sprawling that it it means a lot of things in terms of geographic space to say, I was born in San Diego. Like San Diego can mean a place that's like 30 to 50 miles from here. Well, and the county is so huge. Yeah, the giant. I mean, and that's the other thing too, like people who aren't from San Diego, if you'll ever see like like thrill list lists for mm-hmm. San Diego or like Eater or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're always like the 40 best restaurants in San Diego. At least half of them are like 30 miles from San Diego proper. They're yeah. all like in North County right. and stuff because North County has delicious restaurants. But it's like, I they make me so mad because I'm like, that's not San Diego. Yeah. I mean, it is, but it's like, I'm not traveling 40 miles to have like a steak dinner. Which is a very Southern Californian thing to do though. Yeah. And we are not... I guess you and I, by birth and our, and our upbringing, we weren't like raised in Southern California. Right. But Jamie's parents, my husband's parents, will drive an hour and fifteen minutes to have dinner and not bat an eye. That's so yeah. And like, um, I have a very close friend from um, Southern California area, and she's the same. She'll do an, a two-hour commute for something and just kind of be like, "Yep, that's just how it is." How it is. And mm. for me, I'm like more. I, I feel like. Over 45 minutes, and now it's now it's an adventure. Yeah. It's like yeah. a trip. It's like something that I'm like, ugh, do I have a podcast downloaded? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and also, too, like, we are sort of of the mind that we enjoy, if we're going to go out to dinner, like, having a nice bottle of wine with dinner. Right. And, like, you don't want to drive 30 minutes home or, you know, at all no. <laughs> for that. So. And I'm also just so kind <laughs> of um, – there are people who are much more lax about drinking and driving mm. than I am. Mm-hmm. And I feel just as I get older – if I even have more than a cl- one glass of wine, I'm just not comfortable driving. Yeah. It's just, I feel like it's too much to risk, not only just because I have a license, but also because, um, like my professional license, but also my fucking driver's license. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, I just don't want to risk it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, speaking of this, Southern California, I think San Diego for a long time was like the DUI capital oh, yeah. like of the United States. I mean, it makes sense because it is just so spread out and it takes... A really long time to get anywhere. And I think before Lyft and Uber, I remember when I first moved to San Diego, the first time I left and went on like a trip away from here, I came back. This is so, this was before Lyft and Uber. And I got a taxi home from the airport because I didn't have many friends. I didn't uh-huh. have anyone to like come get me. Right. So I took a taxi back from the airport and I remember the taxi driver asking me how to get there. And I was like, I don't know. You're like, I, I have just no moved here. Idea. Yeah, I was just sort of like, um, I think it's this way. And I remember just like kind of winging it and I got home okay, but it was probably like a really weird route. Yeah, well, when you don't know and you're reliant on now we're so 
Okay, I guess that's just, we're kind of jumping right into it because I'm just going to open this with um, one of the hardest things for me about living in San Diego with it being so spread out was ride sharing didn't exist. It didn't exist. When yeah. I moved here. Mm -hmm. And I remember we were going to try to go out on New Year's Eve and meet some friends and we were going to a different area. And Jamie was like, we're going to need to call the cab like an hour or two in advance. Mm -hmm. And I had never experienced anything like that. Yeah. And I was like, Why? And he was like, because like, we're going to need to know this is how it is. Yeah. And so I remember we called, I think an hour and a half in advance and they gave us such a late pickup time that we stayed at home. Oh, we wound wow. up drinking with our neighbors. Like we had a really cool tattoo shop across the street that was having some stuff going on. And we but wound you up, just weren't able to go, go no, out. No, <laughs> no. I mean, it was just kind of like by the time we get there and we just wound up like meeting our neighbors. Yeah. That happened. But the opposite. I did go out and... Oh, Stupidly, it was a New Year's Eve, mm. also before ride sharing, and I ended up like at someone's house who I barely knew. Um, she was a friend of someone who I was with, and you know, I just remember sitting on her porch waiting for my cab to come for like over an hour, and I could tell that like, she was a bit annoyed. Like, who are these people? I barely know them. What? Like, get out of my yeah. house! And I was just like sitting on her porch, just like waiting for a taxi. It was too far to walk home. And I think we ended up like ruthlessly stealing someone else's cab who was also at that party because I was like, I have to get out yeah. of here. <laughs> well, you, it push comes to shove. And when I, my brother and sister-in-law, um, we went to visit them once in San Francisco before ride sharing and we were waiting for a cab at their house and they were so tired and they had put their baby to sleep. They went Aww. out to dinner with us and they were like very politely staying up with us. Oh no. And finally we just like, we're like, where's the bus stop? Like we'll figure it out. Anything. Like, anything. Cause we just didn't want to sit there and I could see how tired they were and they had to mm -hmm. get up with the baby in the morning. And it was just, but I remember those days of like being stuck in a position waiting for a cab yeah. and being like, oh. how do I get out of here? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I had this, uh, extreme situation too because when I first moved to San Diego I didn't drive a car mm. and I which I you, you've told me this before and I'm like how? I cannot imagine not driving in San Diego and I, I know, know a lot of people don't do it but it, I lasted like less than a year because so I had lived in Eugene Oregon and Portland Oregon before that and you know I mean it's not like it's super easy to get around those right. places without a car it's never easy without a car but it was way easier and the yeah. public transportation was cheap for students because when I was in college I was in Eugene and then it was also affordable in Portland and Portland was walkable enough once you got you know into Portland mm -hmm. proper that it was right. it was it was doable yeah Oh, man, when I got here, I moved to North County, which is not anywhere really near San Diego proper, but I didn't really know that. Like, it just, I, I had no idea what I was doing. So, yeah, when I moved here, I, I lived so far away from anything that, where I could, like, get a job, you know. Yeah. And so I had, like, a couple of weird jobs in North County, and then finally I got one um, in, like, Hazard Center. Mm -hmm. So, like, basically yeah. sort of Mission Valley area. Yeah. So for those of you trying to like visualize this, there's like North County and then there's a long stretch of freeway, <laughs> a long stretch of freeway that's usually pretty congested. Mm -hmm. And then Hazard Center, I would say, is like one of those cities outside of your city, if yeah. that makes sense. It's like it's basically where all well, it's near where all of the like the Ikea is right. and the big Target. So it's not like, like within the, the city proper. It's right. just like that little region outside of the city where they put all the big box stores. Right, where you run all your errands. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's even worse traffic. Yeah. Than, yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll wrap this up pretty quickly, but it was just, it was one of those things because I also had a lot of like weird shame about not driving, which we can talk about it at some point. But um, had you not driven before that? No, never. Never. Did no. you, so you'd have like a state ID or something or just yes. like, an, okay. Uh -huh. And like my dad had tried to teach me to drive, but then he got really frustrated and I got frustrated and then I just gave up because it, I just, I wasn't good at it. Uh, and so then I was just like, ah, eh, it's not for me. And I didn't really need to. So I didn't. And then when I got here, it was just such a pain in the ass because, okay. So I moved here with, uh, two girlfriends and my sister and, you know, we had talked a lot about like what to do once we got here and, and, the fact that I didn't drive and right. they, and I was like, you and know, they all I, drove. yes. And they were all like very kind about it because, you know, they wanted me to come and move with them. So mm -hmm. they were like, we will do whatever it takes. And they really did. They helped me out a lot. Like uh, one of my friends, she would drive me every morning to the train. So I had to take 
So she would drive me to the train and then I had to take a train to a trolley to a bus to work. I cannot believe that sheer frustration alone didn't just like empower you to be I like, know. I have to, because I feel like that's why I started driving, but it was also like rural South. So oh. it was like, I kind of had to, mm-hmm. or I would walk places or then I'd I walked to- a lot get like rides from boyfriends or just guys who were like trying to date me who had mm-hmm, cars and mm-hmm. that was just weird. It was a whole weird. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing too. I was just dependent a lot, you know, on other people and that was really frustrating. It was, but it was always so manageable. But then finally, um, you know, oh, this is a story for another time too. Like we had this stupid falling out, you know, with the girls I moved here with because we were young and dumb and probably just being stupid bitches. I mean, I mean, everyone, myself included. It was just a dumb situation. You were just young. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and the best laid plans, right? You know, we talked so much before we moved here and then, you know, just ended up not working out for various reasons and people had their various issues. Uh, anywho, so then I ended Learning up... Learning to live with people. Yeah, yeah. So then I ended up like super on my own. I think I had a roommate and I was finally just like, I can't be alone in this city without anybody to help me out. yeah. And not have the ability to get myself around. To get around. It was just too impossible. And you, I know I have a handful of very close female friends who are like you, who didn't drive until they were adults. It's funny because one of my close friends didn't drive in Louisiana. And I would always just be, and she has been with, um, her partner is also a longtime friend of mine. And I would always ask them like, or her, like, what would you do if the two of you just got in a crazy fight? Like, that's mm-hmm. always my thing is my car has always meant independence for right. me. It's like and I can freedom get and, freedom. Yeah. I can get my fucking car and get the fuck out of here right. if like, I don't like what's happening. Mm-hmm. And when I asked her that, she was just kind of like, mm, I don't know. Like, I just, I guess I don't think of it that way. And I'm just like, interesting. And yeah. now hilariously, she lives in Brooklyn. And she doesn't have to drive, uh-huh. you know, but she just never, she never drove. But yeah. yeah I mean, some people, it's just not for them. I mean, I do. I like driving now. Uh, I'm Not always. I hate traffic and all that. Of course, everybody does. But I mean, I think I've just become such a Southern Californian in that way where it's just yeah. like so unnatural to like walk places anymore. And that makes, it makes me feel really weird. I, hate I used walking. to walk all the time. I hate not And walking. now my go-to is car. Yeah. Oh, of course. Like you get in your car to go everywhere here. You Mm -hmm. have to. And I hate, yeah, I hate not walking. Um, there's a lot of things, but I do feel like this is such a commuter town and I feel like the car culture contributes so much to like the lack of, um, like community linkage in terms of like knowing people who live in your neighborhood, knowing your neighbors, like you don't spend a ton of time either like in public transit or walking around your neighborhood. So like you just don't know things in an intimate way that you would if you weren't in your car. Yeah. Because being in your car is so isolating too. Yeah. I mean it's it's sort of protection in a way, but it's also very much like, yeah, you go straight from your house into your car, into the place that you're going. Yeah, you don't really see a lot of the outside. It's funny too, because like sometimes when I'm walking around the neighborhoods here like on the few occasions that we do walk, I always see like new things and new houses. And I was like, I didn't know there was a house tucked back there in that Canyon area. Like that's so interesting. Or like seeing people like doing random things in their yard or whatever. It's yeah. yeah, It's, it's interesting what you miss when you're in a car. It's true. And then sometimes here, like when people walk from certain places, I catch myself doing it too. Like you walk, Mm. (laughs) like no one walks. Yeah, totally. It's like that song, like nobody walks in LA. Yeah. Like it's the same kind of thing. Like no one walks. San Diego. Yeah. And we, having just been in New Orleans, which is Mm. the city that I like to call home, home, true home, uh, we did a ton of walking. So much walking. It's so, well, it's flat, so it's very walkable in that sense. Yes, but we also, (laughs) obstacles. Obstacles. And I was trying to explain to, I didn't have to explain, the visuals were right there, um, that it's like, it's flat, but it's also like hiking because the streets are catastrophically fucked up yeah um lack of repair but then also roots just growing under things and yeah the sidewalk you had to look down a lot to not trip and it was really funny because right when we got there stephanie had noticed she was like oh they don't have those bird scooters here and i was like thank god but i didn't really think about it and then once i was walking around i was like oh you would never survive (laughs) on one they would just not not work nope they would not work also like please god bird scooters do not go to new orleans Mm, like please yeah 
Um, it, yeah, it's like the roads are pretty messed up, but I don't know, you know, I was joking because, you know, we were on vacation and we would go out and have like drinks in the evening. And I was like, I don't know what it is about this town that allows me to like kind of drink for long periods of time. And I, I mean, part of it's the excitement and like walking around, but I really think part of it too is like the, the hike walking yeah. that you have to do where you have to be like alert and then you can't truly like stumble yeah. home there. You have to like have your wits about you enough to like see the fact that there's a giant root there mm-hmm. and this whole block doesn't really have lights. So yeah, you might have yeah. to take the, you know, like it's, you just have to kind of be awake and alert. Well, I mean, also in terms of being able to sort of like drink there, it's also a much lower elevation. I guess probably not that much different than San Diego, but from a lot of cities, people probably go there and they're like, woo. Yeah. <laughs> and it's humid. So you're hydrating. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Your skin is drinking if you're not, oh. I mean, water that is. By the way, I mean, talk about shock. We went from being in super humid uh, Southern Louisiana to Southern California, where oh, we are having Santa fires and the worst Santa Ana conditions Oof. we've had apparently on record. Wow. So, really? I mean, we went from like super humid to... Uh, yeah, we were talking before we started podcasting about how, like, I have to keep putting on chapstick mm-hmm. and, like, lotion, and it just it just absorbs. It just sucks right up. Well, not even super humid. I mean, it was just full-on pouring down rain one day, which was a beautiful thing. Yeah, it was nice. Um, yeah, I had never experienced New Orleans rain before, and it was different, but <laughs> very cool. Yeah. And it was just, like, at one point I was, like, watching it just pour down this window in the place that we were staying and I was like this looks like a waterfall and it's kind of amazing yeah it's so much water yeah it's the drops are giant it's a downpour and there's kind of like nothing you can do you just Mm -hmm. have to stop yeah um and then what's amazing to me though is people don't like you drive in it you go out in it you live your life in it I mean, that, it's kind of that way in Oregon, too, where people just are in constant rain. It's a different type of rain, for sure. It's not yeah. that super. I mean, it'll downpour sometimes, but not really. Usually, it's just a pretty steady, constant drizzle for mm-hmm. six straight months or whatever. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you live your life in the rain, yeah. for sure. What's, what's the alternative? Yeah. You know, you can't. We've gotten spoiled here with the weather. I mean, I was going to say that. You and I have talked about this so much. It's so funny that we are kind of now used to the fact that we don't have much weather, so we never really have to deal with it. Well, let's talk about that for a second, because that was something that I've always said, and now you've spent some time in New Orleans. Um, When I moved to San Diego, part of the reason I railed so hard against San Diego was also part of the reason that I fell in love with it in the first place. Mm. Living in New Orleans, I always say it's a city that fights against itself. Mm. Um, And I was tired of that. I was yeah. tired of the broken down parts of the city. And I had also worked um, under a state grant and I had worked for the city and I kind of just felt like it was impossible mm. and corrupt and that things would never get fixed. And when I knew I wanted to go to graduate school, the times I'd been to San Diego, I thought I've never seen a city that doesn't fight against itself the way this one does. Mm. The weather's good. Mm. It's got great like features like the beach. You can be in the mountains in an hour. Yeah. The thing that I didn't realize I was going to miss was what is born out of that struggle right. of a city that fights against itself. Um, the music, mm-hmm. the food, community, I mean, community, mm-hmm. and just the honesty, right? The yeah. People and and then here it it is beautiful, wonderful, slow, sleepy beach town with seventy four degrees most of the year, but I mean, there's a cultural deficit here. Yeah. I mean, I think that it San Diego does fight against itself in a certain way, and I, maybe not against itself, but I think it weirdly fights against Mexico in a stupid, weird way, yes. where I'm just like, why don't you embrace more of the fact of a sister cityhoodship with Wouldn't Tijuana, which is nice? a fucking amazing city yes. in its own right, and to like actually, and I know that there are like communities that, you know, I, I'm not that privy to who are doing that and do have that dialogue and the art and embracing on I mean, all the food, but like, I just wish that like San Diego in general felt a little bit more like it was embracing that. I agree. That like closeness to yeah. this beautiful Mexican city that we are, yeah, so near. And so lucky to be near. I mean, it's, it's we're a border town and like, mm-hmm. so are they. And I just think there's something, you're right, instead of embracing that, it's almost like 
it's almost like a willful ignorance yeah. of it. It's mm-hmm. kind of like, yeah, that that's there. Mm-hmm. And then there's also the willful ignorance in the sense that there's this narrative about Tijuana as a city, right? Yeah. Like, it's so dangerous. It's so this. It's so that. Right, right. But it's like, sure, all of those things are probably true, but there are also a lot of things that are also true. Like, there's a great culinary scene, and they're very welcoming of, in my experience, Americans who come over to experience the culinary scene, the art scene, mm-hmm. spend their tourist dollars, again, thinking about New Orleans in a city that, you know, <laughs> it's become less welcoming of tourists in the past mm-hmm. uh, or in, of recent history than it was in the past. But it's a place where, I mean, I'm always happy to see people come and spend their tourist dollars there. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, I think that there are probably communities in San Diego that we, you know, aren't, like, that we don't live in or don't go to enough, where it's probably a little bit more prevalent. Um, But, yeah, I just, I wish that it, you know, because there were so many moments in New Orleans where it just felt like, oh, this is, like, a deep, rich, and old culture that definitely comes from a lot of strife, but within that has, like, yeah. So much richness and so much beauty. And, yeah, I just feel like that could kind of be possible here, yeah. too. But we just don't see it as as much as maybe I would like to. But maybe I, I just need to seek it out more, too. I feel like I have to be the New Orleanian that I want to see in the world. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, when I was there, I was looking at people's porches and how, like, they were decorated. And I was like, oh, home. Oh, that's mm-hmm. so clever that they used a bicycle wheel to make a blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, like, I was like driving through San Diego this morning and I was like, I need to get a fucking bicycle wheel on my porch and turn it into a mobile with like all of these things on it. And I'm like, I'm a New Orleanian. Like I want to bring that spirit full force into San Diego. And I think it resonates in everything else that I do. And I just feel like there's some part of me that just craves that space. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I haven't made I haven't incorporated that into my own home because nothing else around me looks like that right so I'm like that would just be weird and I'd be that weird house on the block and now for the first time I'm like ooh, I'd be that weird house on the block you know there's like something kind of exciting about it because I want it to be with me all the time Mm -hmm. and it is and um well yeah I mean I think that that's that would be so interesting too because it's like you know we've talked about um sort of the human need to conform and the human need for like acceptance and belonging but I think that it would be really beneficial for when you miss a place and you just don't feel it or see it around you to kind of create it for yourself yeah and you know who cares what the fuck it looks like to your neighbors you know like exactly you know I remember another thing like when I first moved to San Diego it's changed a little bit and there are some cool spots now but like I just remember being so immersed in the Portland coffee culture and Mm -hmm. like cafe culture there where you go and get a cup of coffee and you could spend all day just like reading and you know just thinking and being and talking to people and there would be like people just playing music whatever and I remember again I didn't drive so maybe I just didn't I wasn't in close proximity to enough of the cool cafes in San Diego or whatever but I remember like walking through Hillcrest which I lived near at the time and just like sitting down in a coffee shop and feeling so lonely because Mm. everybody there would like would just get their coffee maybe sit down for a second and then get up and leave or you know if they were there they were just kind of on their laptops or like like nobody was talking or hanging out or like yeah I don't know. There was just like something like more like isolated about it yeah. in some way. And like even just like the decor itself and stuff, it was kind of like stiff. Stiff. Yes. Yeah. The coffee shops here are very much that way. Yeah. Where, I feel. yeah. I just in my experience, used to that. especially like the um, neighborhood ones, like mm. that you would think would be a little more. And some of them are. We do have some good ones here. But yeah, it's, it's just a vibe. And I don't know mm-hmm. what it is about the lack of like, community in San Diego like the lack of wanting to sit down or having spaces where you can and that was you know my my big thing so on the topic of shame and expat shame it's interesting to me because it's all fresh it's like top of mind right now yeah the shame that I feel here for who I am from being from there Mm -hmm. and then the shame that I feel there because I left Mm -hmm. and I left because again, the grant was expiring. I had only um, lived there. I had only I'd, there and outside of there in a small town. Um, 
And I was just kind of like, it's time. It's now or never. And I also love New Orleans with such passion, like you Mm -hmm. would a person, that it's a black hole to me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, if I don't leave now, I'm never going to leave. But I knew that. And Mm -hmm. I had been saving money, and it was to buy a house, I thought. And then I realized I've always wanted to go to grad school. I've always wanted to get out of here. I had gotten in a serious relationship with someone from Southern California, Mm -hmm. and it just seemed like the right thing to do, the only thing to do. That phrasing is so interesting, and I think that a lot of people have this because I have the exact same thing, and it resonates with me. Like, I have to get out of here. And that that makes you feel bad in so many ways because, like, it wasn't because – for me, it wasn't because Portland wasn't an amazing city or an amazing place. I mean, it's very different now than it was when I left there. <clears throat> but I, you know, it's not that I didn't love it, but it was like, I have never experienced anything, anything else. else. Yeah. And it was in my parents are there in the South and it's like, mm-hmm. there's, there's guilt there. There's kind of like, I'm ungrateful. I'm a bad person because I want to leave this. And, right. and there was this added layer of shit that I got from my friends mm-hmm. who we all lived through Katrina. And so yeah. like I stayed and I worked in I was going to go to law school and I was preparing to take the LSAT and then Katrina happened and I worked for the Orleans Public Defender's Office um, as their volunteer coordinator. That was my first job out of college. And so I, from then on, just worked for nonprofits or for the city. I always gave back to the city. And then when I decided to leave, once I'd spent enough years doing it, I remember my friends being like, fucking Southern California. Mm. Like they were at least like, Jesus, go to Brooklyn, go to Oakland, go somewhere where you can give back. Like, what are you possibly going to give back to San Diego. And especially mm-hmm. because I was getting a master's in social work, people right. were like, oh, what are you going to be social worker to the stars? You know, like, <laughs> you know, there was just this, and yeah. I got it and I felt it, but it made me feel really shitty because mm-hmm. there was part of me that knew on some level that they were right, that I was giving up the fight. I was like, I don't want to fight anymore. I don't want to work in a broke down nonprofit. I don't want, I want to go to grad school in a place with nice weather, with less crime. Mm-hmm. And I want to take a break. So speaking of Katrina, I mean, it seems like that is a very big point of pride I saw for like, you know, a lot of, I don't know, just in a lot of things that I saw where it was like, oh, and then during Katrina, this person did this and helped this way. And like, is there still sort of that mentality of like, you didn't stay for like the rebuilding of the city? Yeah, I and I did though. I think the mm-hmm. thing that I, I have that I feel like makes me feel pretty pretty confident is I could have left right afterward. Right. I got an opportunity to finish because I had one semester left of um, undergrad. And I got an offer to go to a couple different universities, but my father lost everything mm-hmm. in the flood and um, my mom had significant tree damage. And so I opted to stay because talk about abandoning my family. I was like, I can't, like they're in complete dire straits. And my sister was a senior in high school. Mm. was getting ready to start her senior year. Mm -hmm. And I mean, talk, I mean, she was heartbroken. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I think, and I stayed for five years after that. And I worked in nonprofits for a full five years. You know, I did my last semester. I volunteered on political campaigns and, I love that city, and I, yeah. I think that I spent those five years investing, and I, I feel like my friends who gave me a hard time were kind of like, but look at what you've done in five years. Think of what you can do in 10, and I, I was see, kind yeah. of in a place where I was in my late 20s, and I was like, I don't want to fucking run for mayor. I want to go to grad school somewhere with <laughs> nice fucking weather and experience a life other than this one. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So, I mean, I yeah, I guess I just wonder, like, is there ever a point at which, like, people who stay don't give you shit? I don't know. Yeah, because the, those friends who gave me shit now live on the North Shore, uh. which is, like, the kind of nice suburban area across mm. the lake. And, you know, I, I have friends who fewer and fewer of my friends have stayed, and the landscape is changing. And the last uh, media arts nonprofit I worked for was to film people uh, – to film people – to train – People who didn't have any kind of formal education or, or work experience, even people without high school educations, to work in the film industry because mm. so much of the work there you can do without a formal education or any training, you, you, training on the job. Mm. And uh, Louisiana had this great tax incentive that passed, and more filming was happening there. We than, saw some. Yeah, we saw some. And it is. It's booming. It's been called Hollywood South. And mm. 
Um, the last nonprofit I worked for was that was kind of like work development training to help people work in the film industry. Mm-hmm. And I was leaving, I think, I think it was two years after the, the tax had passed. And every year that I came back since I just saw more and more wealth in the city. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is the film industry in mm-hmm. part. It must be, it has yeah. to be. And I do think it's reshaped the city. I think that it was a big industry that came, and I think it's very different, and I think it's pushed a lot of people out. Yeah. I have friends who don't live there anymore um, who some of them have decided they want to be more suburban and they Mm want to take that route. Other people, other cities have offered them better opportunities than they can get in New Orleans. And then I've just got my friends who, you know, live on the outskirts of the city who are now buying houses and and the really broken down neighborhoods and, you know. Kind of setting up there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's weird because I don't really know exactly everything that has happened in Portland, but I think also there was to like sort of, if not film necessarily, definitely like a television. The Portlandia boom. effect. Well, there's that. Yeah. I mean, obviously I the Portlandia effect. But then I think that they also started like doing that thing where it's like it's cheaper to film here yes. and so then like smaller like production companies would mm-hmm. like come and start and hang out in Portland and then I mean you know once stuff like that happens it's just like a it's an influx yeah and then like I think Portland and New Orleans are cities where before maybe the film industry and before kind of the media focus after Katrina in Portland I, I, I didn't live there, so but I can only imagine how many people knew nothing about it except, like, didn't, like, um, the grunge scene happen here? <laughs> right, 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 Like, right. that was their association mm-hmm. with it and maybe, like, a logging town. Because mm-hmm. that was my association. Like, oh. I didn't know Portland. And then I went to Portland because um, somebody had told me I would love it. And mm-hmm. I did. I fell madly in love with it. And then a year later, Portlandia came out. Mm-hmm. And then I went back, I think, a year or so after that. And I was even, like... This is a different place than yeah. I came to. I mean, it is a completely different place than what I left. And that's the other thing, too, where I was, you know, kind of feeling like I have to get out of here because, you know, when I was younger, I was just obsessed with, like, big cities and, like, big metropolises yeah. who had, like, lots of culture and lots of interesting things to do. And um, Portland had that stuff, but it was in, like, more underground scenes uh-huh. that I wasn't privy to because I was in high school when yeah. I left, you know. And it just didn't have, like, on the face of it that, I mean, it does now that I think back on it. I was, like, it was actually, I loved so many things about the city itself. But it was, like, really sleepy at night. And, yeah. like, there were certain neighborhoods now that are, like, su- super trendy that you would just never go to at night. Right, you know, right, right. like. And, you know, that was all close within. And just the amount it's gentrified since, like, the 14 years or so that I've been gone. It's weird because I go back to Portland and I'm like, fuck, if I would have stayed, it would have been great because I would have been sort of grandfathered into a place. Like, maybe even had been able to buy a place at some point, you know, know, early on in my career, whatever that career would have been. But at the same time, like... There just wasn't as much happening there as there is now. So it would have been like a struggle. And also it would have been the same thing that I saw day to day. And I would Mm -hmm. be struggling within that and in the rain. And I've got to say something about the rain. Like I really was seasonally depressed a lot there. Like my depression cleared up so much more strongly. It's not gone, but it cleared up a lot when I moved to San Diego. So there was just this sort of like this place is hard. Yeah. It's, it makes me sad. Yeah. And I've always been here. Right. That so I have to go. Well, yeah, and see, like, and when you were just saying, like, the whole, like, I could buy a house here, I could have been grandfathered in. I mean, that was my thing with New Orleans. Like, I found a place. Like, we walked by it when we were there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that, um, that's my place. It was, like, abandoned. I was going to contact the city. I was like, you are mine. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was right around the time that I was thinking about I could use this money to leave and go to grad school and do, like, an intensive program and not have to work full time. And I was just like, okay, here's the thing. I stay and I do this, and I know kind of what I think that will look like. Mm-hmm. Most of it I know exactly what it's going to yeah. look like. Or there's the complete unknown mm-hmm. and the risk. Which right. one am I going to regret if I don't do? Right. And the unknown was so much unknown that I couldn't possibly know. So I was like, I have to take that one. Right. Because with the other one, it's like, I kind of know where I'll probably be working. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, 
you know? Yeah, no, it was the same with me for sure. And also, you know, I was in my like mid to pushing into my late twenties when I moved here and I, you know, I had just graduated college a few years before and like went on, you know, a trip around Europe, which was my first like real international travel. Mm. And I had kind of like seen a lot of other things and just been like, I just want to experience more. And so when my friends and my sister um, had this plan to move to San Diego, I was not really that jazzed about San Diego because I kind of saw it as like this city that was not really a city, but it was new and it was different. It it was something. It was was, Portland. Yeah. And it was like, here's something to experience and see that is different and I was like, ah, I, like everyone, all of them bet that I would be the first person to get the fuck out of here and leave. And I'm yeah. the only one left. They all <laughs> moved back to like p- the Pacific Northwest, which is so funny and interesting. Cause like, yeah, they all put money that they were like, Lily's never going to stay in San Diego. There's no fucking chance. And yeah, I mean, I have stayed, but therein also lies an interesting thing. Cause I'm like, I got kind of comfortable here. And then sometimes I beat myself up about like, why didn't you just give it five years and then move to another city and then experience more things? To answer from my own perspective, because California has been unreasonably good to me. Yeah. So good to me. I have, I have a great friend network. I have a main reason I stayed. I have a great job. I really Mm. do. And now I'm branching out, starting other projects and my own practice because I have the financial wherewithal and the kind of freedom mm-hmm. and space to try new things. Yeah. And I don't have to work three jobs. I'm really lucky. You know, I have I have more time than I think a lot of people do. And I feel very lucky for that. Yeah. Um and so it's yeah, it's been good to me. And the weather and you know, yeah, I mean it's always just been sort of like incremental little things that have kept me here. And you know, I constantly miss the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. I miss the smells. I miss my family. Yeah. I miss just being able to see them whenever, you know, but then within that comes a whole set of other yeah. obligations yes. and expectations. Oh, yeah. And, you know, so that's a double-edged sword. But, I mean, it has just been sort of this place where I've built, like, friend family, yeah. you know, and that has fluctuated and changed and grown and lessened and all of those things. But it's so far been just the place where I have felt like my most like adult self yeah, is here. Well, you're pivoting perfectly to like what's on my brain while you're saying all this, which is like, I, as I've gotten older, I have fewer close friends, but they're richer friendships than I maybe have ever had. Yeah. And then part of the reason I went to New Orleans and we were there on vacation, but I was there celebrating the fact that I now have a nephew. Mm -hmm. I have a niece and a nephew in New Orleans and, um, my sister's there and I'm super close to my sister and I really want to figure out a way to spend a couple months a year there, you know? And I, do I want to leave San Diego? Not really, but do I want to spend all of my, no, 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 no. I don't want to spend all my time in San Diego. Like I, I feel like I, I feel divided between these two places. Yeah. Oh, I hear that for sure. I mean, I would love, love, love to be able to spend way more time you know, in, in Oregon, I mean, most of my family now lives in Washington, but Oregon's home to me. So, uh, in Oregon. Um, and yeah, I think like one of the biggest goals in life right now for, I think both of us is to figure out a way that that happens Yeah, (laughs) where we can, you know, really have sort of the freedom to move back and forth between places as often as we would like to. Yeah. Because, you know, I I also have a niece and nephew. They're older than yours. But, I mean, I love, 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 love to just see them more often. And they're not quite of the age where they have their own cell phones yet or anything. So I don't have, like, communication with them a lot, you know. But it would be so awesome to just be able to, like, pick them up after school and, like, take them out for, like, ice cream or whatever. Like, just go see a movie together. Or, you know, I crave that. And I miss, you know, I miss them all the time. And that's another thing that makes you feel bad about being away from yeah. where your family lives. Even if you is have, that you just like, can't do that stuff. And even if you have like a life here that is very fulfilling and very rich, like you miss those things, but it doesn't give you the financial or kind of like 
time freedom, I guess. I don't know how to like phrase it, but mm-hmm. you don't have the wherewithal to just go home for a month. Right. Like when I, when I was there, we were there for, um, you know, a handful of days and I spent the first half with my family and my sister. I was there when she gave birth, which, oh my God, <laughs> that's its own podcast yeah. because everyone I know who has given birth, holy shit. Okay. <laughs> Put a pen in that. Um, I was, and I was there for that. And then when I was leaving, I said, I can't wait until my niece gets old enough to fly on her own so she can come spend time with me. And I'm excited about it. But my heart broke a little bit because I was like, that's such bullshit that like I have to, you know, wait when I just, like you said, I want to be there to be able to be like hanging out with her and getting to know her. And I mean, yeah, my niece is taking like horseback riding lessons. And then my mom sends me like videos of my nephew playing soccer and he's so cute and so big now and I just like (laughs) it breaks my heart a bit that I just am not there for all of those things but then again it's like there at what how you know do I quit my life here to be able to be there like do I quit my family here to be there for my like blood family yeah you know it's it's just such a hard thing to sort of reconcile. Reconcile for sure. Yes, thank you. That's the perfect word. It's it's never easy because I feel the same. Yeah, like it, I and I mean I do. I feel like you and I we have a very close friendship. It, it, it's more like family. Mm-hmm. Like it is. It really. And then so I agree with you. I mean I couldn't just like pack up and be like, well, Jamie and I are headed out. <laughs> I would really because again we have such a rich friendship and I have so many rich friendships here that it would be. And they're with other people who are also adults right. and who are in similar places. And I'm their friend family. Yeah. And it's very different. And we live, you know, similar lifestyles. Like a lot of us are child-free and, you know, and all of the things that come with that, like being able to just, you know, pop to TJ when we want to or go yeah. down to the Valle together or and go wine tasting. Not or, go to whatever and yeah. be like, I don't want to go out or I don't want to do this or cancel at the last minute. And there's none of that fucking like high school, junior high bullshit yeah. because you're all grown ass people mm-hmm. and you get to be like, yeah, she was tired. Okay, where are we going to go? You know, like it's yeah, just, yeah. it's like the one, two thing. It's like so easy. Yeah. And I mean, it, it, there's just something to having and being around people where your lifestyle is more similar. And yes. and that's more like on a day-to-day basis, right? Like, because with your right. family, like who have children or, you know, are just, you know, live And it's more ways, work. It's just, they... It, <laughs> and when I say it's more work, I mean it's more work. My friend family is my family because it aligned and right. it worked with who I am right now. It yeah. works with who I am right now. My family and I have ideological differences. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of different. So it's more work in terms of well, probably both of our parts, making sure we don't say this or say oh, that, right, but right, they're yeah. still family. So it's not like I'm like, oh, I just need to be home because it really just feels good and like home. Mm. It doesn't always. Yeah. It can be very hard Sometimes and very emotionally hard. triggering. Yeah. And and in a little stifling. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, because and you feel just... like a kid again, or at least I do. Yeah. Sometimes that happens too. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, I think it's just more sort of the... Yeah, that desire to kind of have your cake and eat it too, have both yeah. sides of it. Like I just sometimes just want that so badly. Like I yeah. crave like the um, creature comforts and the food comforts and the just I've known you forever, you've known me forever comforts mm-hmm. of like the people I grew up with and the yeah. people who raised me. Yeah. But then, you know, my adult self is very much like, but my day-to-day life looks very different than what it does when I'm with them. Yes. And, you know, that doesn't mean anything more than just, you know, we like to hang out in certain ways and yeah, and speak about certain things. and Absolutely. Get, and just be, be see eye to eye a little more. Yeah. I try to. I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't have like, I don't, I don't think I'm delusional about what our relationship could be. I'd like to believe I could like make peace with some of the things that my a lot of my family believe mm. 
but a lot of it's just so inherently racist and horrible mm. because they support this administration. Mm. So I think in order, I really just think at this point, like we just kind of have to agree that like, if you support the Trump administration, like you're racist. Yeah. I'm sorry. You yeah, are. There's no getting around. There's that. just no getting around it. There just isn't. You can't. And, and that's what's hard is mm-hmm. it's just like his policies are so inherently racist mm-hmm. and he's so openly racist that and it's kind of like, I just can't. It's I, really, it's really, really hard yeah. to reconcile. Yeah. And I love them, mm-hmm. but I'm also like, come on, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm also like, it's it's hard being an adult person, a grown woman, yeah. and still kind of feeling like a child around my parents and kind of wanting to right. defer, but also being a grown woman and wanting to say, but wait, you raised me to be compassionate. Right. And you're the one who raised me to be a free thinker. Yes. And I'm all of these things 100%. because you instilled that in me. Yeah. And now we're in a place where we don't see eye to eye. Yeah. Well, isn't there something sort of a part of you? I know that there is a part of me where it's it's not even the place itself, but it's like this kind of running from actually kind of running from the place where those uh, ideas were so prevalent and I was just so anti them. Mm. Like, so leaving Portland to me didn't feel, it, it just felt like getting my own, trying to find my own place in the world where it, these ideas weren't trying to be passed on to me. Yeah. Like in this very intense way. Well, like, yeah. I remember like very specifically, like before I was going to college in Eugene, which is a very liberal town and a very liberal school, go ducks. Um, go ducks. <laughs> uh, you know, cause going to church at that time and, and the pastor being like, well, you're going to have to fight really hard because you're going to a secular school. You're not going to go to, like, a Christian college. Mm. So, you know, they're going to try to, like, indoctrinate you with so all of these So already trying to put up two of these, like, walls. And yeah. it's like, why not just be open to the experience? And that's the thing that was, for me, just sort of like, I need to flee <laughs> because it was like, why are you fighting so hard against me going out to, like, live my life and yeah. see the world? Because you want to keep my mind small yeah. and you want to keep my world small. And that's what it felt like. And it was just like, nope, I need to understand things on my own terms. Like, I was very naive at that point and didn't know a lot of things. But not so naive because you probably were much like me. And if somebody, especially coming from a man in a place of authority, said, young lady, don't you go getting any big ideas. I'd be like, I can't wait to go get big ideas. I'm just like, you don't realize what you just did. You just lit a fire in me. Totally. Yeah. like Where, you know, it was like Eugene was not far enough, but it was far enough that it kept me like in my own realm of like finding who I was yeah Yeah. and you got to make your own choices about the person that you wanted to be yeah and geographic distance sometimes allows that it does it allows you because you um, for me I was like I got to be away so I kind of got more freedom to like be who I wanted Mm -hmm. to be there's still the hang-ups of being like my father's daughter my mother's daughter you know like there's still that that I struggle with and like um but overall, I, I feel like this is just who I am mm-hmm. and, and part of aging that I've really loved. And I would say to anyone younger listening, um, especially women, um, but possibly men, I don't want to try to speak to your experience. But one of the best things about my late 30s has been that I've really come into this idea of self-ownership mm-hmm. and even being home, feeling like there were ideas and situations that were like uncomfortable and that I felt comfortable saying like I can leave now yeah like it wasn't like there was an obligation or a need but I also said I can leave and I can step away now because I also know that like I have the emotional I'm emotionally evolved enough to know when I can come back Mm. like I don't I know everything's not black and white yeah I know that it's gray and like right now this is offensive and it's not the time and the place so I'm gonna put a little distance between us and then I'll come back. Right. Or not. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because it, I was thinking, so I was thinking when we were in New Orleans, I was just like, oh my gosh, the city seems like so like loving and accepting of just kind of whatever and whoever. Um, but then and I'm sure that I have no idea how bad it gets. It's horrible. Outside of that, you know, and I mean, even within Portland, like it is such a progressive place and, and Eugene, such a progressive city. 
But, like, right outside is just, like, all that white supremacy and all that hate and all those, like, you know, self-proclaimed rednecks or whatever. And it's – it's if it's that bad outside of Portland, I mean, I just can't imagine in, like, the deep south, like – It's pretty Just being terrified by those ideas and just being, like, it's so all around me. Yeah. What do I do? You can't fight it. Yeah. No, you can't. And it's – you just kind of – you know, which is why high school was hell for me growing Mm -hmm. up in the tiny town that I grew up in, Pearl River, Louisiana. It was hell. I'm sure. It was just, and I I don't know, I came out thinking the things that I did and feeling the way that I did. And I, I have a history that is very fraught with trying to make sense of like, who I was versus my family's ideas and believing Mm. those to be true. Like we've talked about so many times on the podcast where you're kind of indoctrinated into it. Mm -hmm. And then eventually you get to a place where you're like, no, that doesn't really sit with who I am. Right. But it's just like, you've only been modeled one kind of language and behavior. So that's just what you do. Yeah. And then you learn and see otherwise. Try to like work within that the best way that you can. Yeah. Yeah, I remember, like, a lot of that just feeling like, okay, this is what I'm hearing, and these are, like, sort of the small minds around me, you know, because I, when I say I grew up in Portland, like, I went to high school in the suburbs of Portland, Mm -hmm. which, you know, were very different than being in Portland proper, and it was just, like, a little bit small, small town mentality. Yeah. Um, Or, if not that, just very white yeah, very white people mentality. And, you know, I am white, so it's not that I'm saying that I don't, you know, that I know any differently. But it was just like this very close-minded sort of, why would we even consider anyone else's experience? I feel like it's like that thing that happens when you get outside of most cities and most metropolitan areas where yeah. the kind of rural mindset is like, we stay here, we live here, and this is enough. Mm-hmm. And if, and f- at least from where I was mm-hmm. from, it's like, and if anybody else wants anything else, not only was there a distrust, but there was, for me, like, anger. Mm. Like, oh, you think you're so, you know, special and fancy. You're going to, yes. oh, you can't stay here. It's not good enough for you. We're not good enough yes. for you. Oh, my God. And I had so much trouble making female friends in high school because they would just think I was such a joke because I was just like, oh, my God. So I just discovered this thing or whatever. And they're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> and then the other thing would be like, they were with these perfectly wonderful guys for them who like were going to work offshore and that was going to be their life. And mm-hmm. they were content with that. And there's nothing wrong with that, right. you know? But if that's not what you want. But that's not what I wanted. Right. And yeah. so, and then there was kind of this resentment. Like, oh, that's that's not good enough for you. That pack mentality. Yeah. And I was like, mm-hmm. no, it's not that it's not good enough. I just don't want that. Yeah. I think that that's one of the hardest things is that, you know, I think you and I both know how it feels to just be like, I don't want what everyone else around me wants. And I'm not comfortable enough. I I tried, I really did try to sort of acquiesce to it. Yeah. In a lot of ways, I was just sort of like, I will try to be this and I will try. And like, I do remember like having moments where like people would definitely tell me, oh, you think you're too good for this? Or like, yep. why are you so, you think you're so special. You you're think you're so, so different. different. Ooh, yeah. Oh, it's so hard to understand you. Right. It must yes. be so complicated. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. You're so deep and so difficult to yeah, understand. Yeah. Totally. Got a lot of that shit. And it just came from like, Hey, this is like, I don't want what the majority wants. Yeah. And so in some yeah. ways, I think that people like that and like us end up inevitably being leaving. theater kids. No, <laughs> I was definitely not a theater kid. I, wait, I feel like you could have been an excellent, like, costume or set person. Because I feel like, did oh, you do any kind person. of, were you ever involved in theater in any way? I took a drama class in high school, and I took improv classes when I was in middle school. I feel like you would have thrived in theater, just because I feel like you would have been great behind the scenes and, and empowered and creatively inspired by the big personalities. I think... I was afraid of the big personalities and mm. that's why I didn't do it. I, I would have probably really liked being like a set design person yeah, or something behind the scenes for sure where it like gave me projects and stuff. But be- because I got so um, kind of turned off by and afraid of just the, the mentality of groups, yeah, which came from organized religion for me, 
I was yeah. like, any group that is too jazzed about anything, I want no part of it. Yeah. So I just stayed really isolated because I was like, do not get me near any of these groups who are going to like, yes. I couldn't do and that theater, mentality where they were like so excited. Very much that way. I mean, I remember I went to college on a partial theater scholarship and like, I remember like being in like a set design class mm-hmm. and being like, we're going to talk about Beckett. And they were like singing fucking Disney tunes. So, nope. And I was just like. What happened? This isn't the theater that I wanted to be in. Um, it's like, bitch, this is not Juilliard. Um, but yeah. I mean, I was friends with, like, it's weird because I had like a couple of random friends and random groups and I was friends with some theater kids and just like seeing the sort of stuff that they were doing in terms of like, I don't know, just like group thinks and just like, like having all these, like, I don't know. I was, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. I was just like, I can't with this. You didn't, it's you weren't like, much. you didn't want to be like part of like a tribe. Exactly. Or like a group. Yes. Yeah. No, no, no. I get that. Yeah. And theater kids are very much that way. Mm-hmm. I, the only reason, the only reason I brought it up is I was just thinking about like, as we're talking about kind of the claustrophobia of being in a small town, I just remember that. That could be freeing. Theater was the escape. Yeah. That's yeah, why yeah, I feel yeah. like I did it, fell in love with it, became obsessed with it is not only did I get to inhabit characters and like try on new identities, I then had to learn about those people. And it was almost an excuse to be like, well, I have to watch these movies because she's a New Yorker. And like, Uh I need to understand, you know, and then I need to read this book because, and it was just like this kind of like way to explore the world Mm. through the eyes of other people and also to escape. I didn't have to be in Pearl River anymore. Like I could kind of be, Whoever I wanted to be. Man, you know? I wish I would have had that kind of insight. Like, for me, yeah. I just, I think I was too afraid to try things, too, because it was like, people are going to see that I'm different, or I'm not different enough, or yeah. like, I'm just not good enough, or, I, yeah. For me, it was just, I don't know, I was having a lot of identity issues, and that's probably most of the gay stuff, which we'll get to <laughs> at some point. But it was like, stand under the radar, don't go anywhere where it's going to cause too much attention for you. Stay with the right people who can, like, kind of protect right. you. I had, like, two friends who were, like, you know, very, I don't know, popular in different ways, I guess. Popular is a weird word. But, like, yeah, where it was just sort of, like, stay behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Stay safe. Mm-hmm. Like, out of the limelight. Yeah. And I've just always kind of been, like, a little bit of a ham. And then there's <laughs> also this creative part of me that... I was just at lunch before I came to see you complaining to Jamie about the fact that I was like, it's time for me to just do something creative. I was like, I Mm. think I professionally want to like pivot and just do something creative. Um, But yeah, that was the driving force. I don't think it was insight with the theater. I think it really was just like, I was a ham. I was like bold enough to audition. (laughs) There was all this creative energy and like it just, it happened. Mm -hmm. And then there it was. Well, I mean, yeah, I think that that's interesting, too, because uh, when I unpack it, there are so many things that kind of, like, stymied my um, creative growth and my pushing the envelope Mm -hmm. growth. And I think a lot of that had to do with, you know, being in the sort of more stifling situation that we were talking about. But then also, like, when I moved to San Diego, it just not being that like this it wasn't, city, just it didn't nourish not, it the way that no. it needed to, or mm-hmm. foster Which the is kind of growth. Why I had been so obsessed with New York when I was younger because I knew that that was going to be a place where, like, I would just get inspired to actually like be pushed to do things. And mm-hmm. San Diego just got like cozy and comfortable. But then also, it's, also it's not, not competitive here. It's just not an inspiring place. It's the one thing that I will say, like about the arts. Is like it's not, and I need this. Like I feel inspired when I go to an, a town and I see a lot of like fucking talent, yeah, and people kicking ass. Yeah, I get threatened and I get competitive, oh. and not like in a competitive like I want to fucking tear you down. Yeah, I get better because they're so good. Like oh. I want to be as good as they are. I get like a hero worship thing. Like I get obsessed with certain people, and I'm like. This idea is so fucking good. You oh, know what that's I mean? interesting because it's kind of similar to what I was going to say, but a little bit different. Like when we were in New Orleans, I felt that way. Like even just the Halloween decorations on people's porches, I was like, oh, that's so like creative and different and clever. And I was like, it's so inspiring because it's just like one holiday, but people are like making things and yeah. putting things up. And and then even the way that they paint their houses and I was yeah. just like looking around and, and then we went to like galleries where there was just so much good weird awesome art and I was like oh 
this, this is the kind of thing that like I need, I get too complacent when I don't see and have enough like visual like stimulation. And, yeah. yeah. And that's why now it sucks. Cause when I go back home to Portland, I'm like, it's everywhere. Yeah. But it like, there was kind of not, it, it wasn't, it wasn't way. happening, you know, 15 years ago in Portland, it just wasn't quite as like prolific or in- interesting. But, you know, that's why I was obsessed with, like, going to, like, a bigger city where it was just, like, happening. And you could see yeah. things and just be. Well, I think I think this is our challenge to each other is we have to be the New Orleans we want to see in the world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have to be making really rad porch decorations. Yeah. And, and sticking in that kind of vein of that phrase that became really popular bumper sticker-wise after Katrina, which is be a New Orleanian wherever you are. Yeah. Right? And now that you've been there, spend some time there, have a love for the place. <laughs> oh, like, that's... It, it's kind of, it's a spirit, you yeah. know? It's like a, yeah. It definitely is. And, I mean, I think that even, you know, wherever you're from, you can take that phrase to heart and apply it to, you know, your place or wherever inspires you, wherever you feel like your heart is at home. Yes. Like, that's... I love that. That's where you're from. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, no shame about where you're from or where leaving you're going where you're or from. leaving or where you want to be. Yeah. Um, or even to want to go back home again, even if it's only part of the year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boundaries. Yeah. Um, oh, this is a fun one. It was, yes. And, you know... I mean, we need to go on vacation more often. Yeah, I <laughs> definitely would love to do nothing more than that. Yeah, it was uh, a pretty good time. It's nice to be home. It's nice to see um, the Pepperuskis, but mm-hmm. I am, as ever, like, wait, job? Mm-hmm. Yeah, job. No, right? We have to have one of those? I almost opened my work email today. No. And this voice was like, they aren't paying you right now. <laughs> I mean, even though they are, because I get paid time off. <laughs> yeah. I was like, they are not paying you to look at your emails right now. Like, don't do it. Don't think about it till tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> I won't. All right. Thank so. you for listening. Yeah. Thanks again for Is being here. Is this episode nine or ten? Nine. Nine. Yep. Number nine. Yep. Number, Number nine. Nine. <laughs> um, nine yeah. times. Nine times. Uh, so we... Um, We'll be back next week. Yep. I don't know what we're going to talk about. Mm, We'll see. Why don't you suggest something? Oh, my God. That would be amazing. Yeah. Help us do our job. That is one thing that I have been thinking, you know, listeners, please email us or add us us. on socials because I would love to, like, hear some things about, like, oh, you missed this in this episode because we're missing so much. I know. In every episode. We're just, you know, trying to get there. But, But, like, the whole point of the podcast is, like, Listener engagement. Yes. So reach out, mm-hmm. tell us, um, suggest, and and admonish. by the way, friends and family, you can do it too. <laughs> <laughs> I feel of like course. they're like, oh, they want real listeners. I'm like, no, friends, family. Yeah, no, anybody, anybody, anybody who is listening, please just tell us what you think and tell us where what you would like to hear. Yeah. What do you want to hear us talk about? And mm-hmm. weigh in. What do you? What are we missing? What do you want to say? Yeah. And do you feel comfortable with us? talking about it and using your name or not or whatever just reach out yep definitely okay all right we'll talk to you in a week be well everyone okay take good care (laughs) bye bye